This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to your latest offering on the Blood Red channel. A special podcast for you this morning as Liverpool reveal their latest financial accounts for the period ending the 31st of May 2021. If you are slightly overwhelmed by the sheer numbers being thrown about this morning, I certainly was when I first saw them. I've got the Echo's business of football writer Dave Powell alongside me to go through the main headlines and hopefully explain to you very clearly what they all mean. We should probably say, first and foremost, Dave, that this is the period in which Liverpool won the Premier League title, but it also means, therefore, that there were no fans in for a large portion of this, the majority of this. We kind of knew that that was going to be the case when we had the accounts this time last year, but obviously the impact this time is completely different to what it was last time, and that's going to have an impact on what these numbers look like. Yeah, I mean, the, the I think there was only, for the, for the season that we're looking at now, the only game that fans were allowed in for was in, in any number at all, really. It was the 10,000 that came in for the Crystal Palace game at the very end. So, effectively, you've, you've seen um, match day revenue shrink 95%, which was always to be expected. Um, that's what happens when you have no fans in stadiums. But it's it's down from 70 million to three. Um, but that has kind of been offset by um, the media rights um, that have returned back to clubs. Because, obviously, with the perspective, the pausing of the the 2019-20 season, um, broadcasters would do rebates, etc., and then clubs didn't get um, the money that they were expecting from. I think it was nine games Liverpool had during that that round um, of, of, of games that were going to be accounted in the 2019-20 accounts when they lost 46 million. Um, but that has been now returned to them, so that you know that's kind of that's about 64 million. I think it's come back, and it, it kind of it's almost made up for that loss, but. Um, it just goes to show. I mean, it's been such you know unprecedented times that, that kind of football has been dealing with, and the kind of these accounts show that it, it's kind of the last set of accounts. I think we'll see where there's there's still that real headache and, and struggle over over COVID. Um, I think that there will be improvements made from from next year's onwards um, across the board. I think most clubs will start their recovery are already in the middle of the recovery period now. Um, but I think it's you know this year is is it could have been a lot worse um, from from my first my first take and it would be. Yeah, I mean let's let's get into a few of the details then. You mentioned media revenue there that's gone up from two hundred and one million to two hundred and sixty six because obviously the prolonged Premier League season falls inside this particular element of of the finances. You've got commercial revenue as well, which has gone up slightly, just zero point two million up to. 217.6. I think that's slightly interesting as well. Obviously, commercial revenue make, made up of, of a number of, of different things. But why is it that that's, albeit only very slightly, why is, has that increased in this period? Um, it, it was always likely to increase. I think that maybe we were expected to see it increase a bit more than it has done. Um, but we have to take into account is that commercial revenue isn't just um, having standard charted on the front of the shirts or or Nike uh, being the kit supplier, it is everything from the match day commercial operations that go on, so selling things for you know for match days and packages, also through to the, um, the ability to you know have museum tours and stadium tours and um, the opening of the the mega store, etc. All these things combine um, to make your commercial revenues, and with those um, kind of being hobbled by by COVID last season, having no fans in stadiums, that's been a bit kind of a um, partly to blame for 
for, for the rise not being as big as it was the previous year when it was 29 million. But you must have to discount the first half of that 2019-20 um, season because it was normal um, in effect. You know, there was only three months of, of the financial period affected by COVID um, for 2019-20. So you've got that. Um, but also I think people were hoping that there was going to be a, a big kind of lift. We were going to see the early impact of Nike. I mean, and while... There is some something already, you know, happening there in the figures in terms of the the sales with Nike um, being doing very well globally in terms of online as well. That's been a big boom. Um, not having access to retail units as you would expect, uh, and also the deal wasn't, you know, hasn't been that old to to take you through the financial period. So you've been paid the guaranteed sum, which I think was fifteen million less than what New Balance were paying. Uh, and in order to make that up, it's not been the kind of the right climate to to do that. I think it's probably about where they would have been with the new balance deal on the balance of things. Um, but obviously, the idea is to to move beyond that uh, and push kind of the the sixty seventy million a year bracket. Um, but they, they've kind of treaded water with it, which isn't too bad really. I mean, they announced a number of new partnerships, I think there were thirteen in total, um, which will all be you know beneficial moving forward. Um, you, You've got the likes of Axa and Expedia um, coming on board. And, and also Liverpool have got, moving forward for their next set of accounts, well, the set after this, actually, be, it'll be um, standard the standard chartered sponsorships up. So whether they renew, um, there's some prime sponsorship kind of space there for, for the club to market. And also the, the Nike deal will really start to, you know, we'll really start to see how serious it can be uh, in the next two years. But for the time being, I think... Um, it's you know to see any kind of rise in commercial revenues through a you know through a pandemic where there's been no fans in stadiums and and, and businesses across the world um, have been kind of concerned with how they spend their own money and where they you know their own operations. I think to have any kind of commercial increase is is, is a positive, albeit it's, it's it's kind of a modest increase at two hundred thousand. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Some of the uh, the other headline figures, then overall revenue down by about three million to, to four hundred and eighty-seven, I think it is. And the loss before tax has fallen by forty-one and a half million. That's down to, to four point eight million now. And I suppose it's important as well that within this period, Liverpool have, have signed twelve players, they've got key contracts sorted out to Obviously not Mohamed Salah yet, but other key players, Virgil van Dijk, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Harvey Elliott. I mean, there's lots of, of elements to this. A couple of signings as well in there, Jota and, and Thiago, 41 million, 25 million. In terms of, of all of these figures, then, is is this about where you thought it, it might be for this set of the um, I think it's probably, uh, in terms of the loss, I was expecting probably a bit more. Um, I think we were really expecting the kind of heavy losses uh, about a year or so ago when there was so much uncertainty. And if you look at what's gone on with um, Tottenham um, and Manchester United, I mean, you've got 80 million lost there and I think 92 million for the, the last financial year. Um, that's on top of the heavy losses they made in the previous season. Um, it, you know, the, the losses from COVID have been huge and it's, it's kind of a, it signifies um, deeper problems with the, the business model. Obviously, Tottenham's is related to the stadium and the fact that you know, they were hoping to leverage that new stadium in, in order to drive revenues up and make them compete. But with no fans in stadiums, it's, it's been, you know, it's, it's been a double whammy for them. But Manchester City posted their results and that was 2.4 million profit. But, um, well, their revenues rose, etc. And they were, that was all being trumpeted. I mean, people seem to forget that they lost 126 million last year in the 
first in, in the pandemic's first year. So Liverpool faring far better than anyone else so far in terms of the overall impact of COVID over the two the two years. Um, Liverpool's been 50 million in Everton, for example, that was 140 million um, just for last year, and that's you know that's only going to get added to when they release their results. Um, so. For Liverpool, I think it's been you know they've managed COVID well, but touching on what you mentioned before, the wage wages issue. I mean that the wage bill has actually decreased by eleven million, but that's not actually the you know that that's how it shows in the accounts. But really, a, a lot of what happened last season, uh, well, last year's accounts was down to the fact that they were Champions League bonuses, which were paid in a lump sum to players um, upon winning the Champions League, um, and also Premier League bonuses. Um, while the the actual victory for the Premier League wasn't paid in uh in that period into a bonus it kind of it's it's accrued over time almost so their success reaching certain points of the season kind of accrues in terms of their bonuses so it's not like a champions league bonus where it's one kind of drop of money that that kind of fsg have to find it's um it's different than that um but the other thing being that um during that period um liverpool extended the contract to 12 players among them uh virgil van dijk trent alexander arnold and fabinho um, there was that flurry during last summer, wasn't there, where there, there was a kind of announcement of a contract every every other week almost. Um, and I queried this in terms of where, how these fell into the accounts, because obviously, you know, from the outside looking in, the, the assumption would be that these contracts being announced in the summer um, of 2021 would mean that they would be seen in the accounting period for 2021-22, which is the year end of this of May this year. Um, but the, I'm told uh, these deals were all done, signed uh, within the financial year for 2020-21, um, which means that they're already included in that kind of wage fall. And you include Diego Jota and Thiago's wages coming onto the wage bill in there. So um, I think the actual payroll has increased, um, but it looks like it's decreased in the accounts because of the bonuses which aren't aren't showing there. Um, so yeah, that's the that's that's the kind of crux of it really. So the the deals that we thought were going to appear, you know, kind of in next year's accounts, they now have already appeared. So Liverpool do you know appear to have some some wriggle room, and um, it was three two five last year with the bonus payments. It's three one four now, um, and you compare that to to other wage rises around. Uh, around the Premier League with their rivals. I mean, it's fallen. It's the first time in FSG's reign where the actual wage bill has fallen. Um, so in terms of revenues to to wages, UEFA like to keep it at around 70% for, for being sensible and sustainable. I think Liverpool fall under that. Um, so they have no issues over financial fair play or anything like that. Um, so they're in a good position, actually, um, to... I mean, obviously, you've got Mohamed Salah still needing to renegotiate a contract there, and that still rumbles on. But Liverpool are actually in a decent position moving forward, I think, compared to their rivals as, as a healthy business. And I know we... Uh, we hear, you know, people don't like to see football clubs as viewed as businesses. Um, but ultimately, I mean, the, the, the businesses which employ, I mean, Liverpool employs hundreds and hundreds of people uh, and the success of what goes on on the field is is, is predicated on the success of, of what happens on the balance sheet. Um, so this is, you know, the, I think these set, sets of results are quite positive for Liverpool in terms of their future planning. And I think, you know, next year we'll, we'll, we'll see them return to profit quite comfortably, I think. 
Yeah, absolutely. Then overall, a positive sign for Liverpool. Things are starting to, to get back to normal. I'm sure FSG will be pretty happy with the, the way things are going, certainly in that regard. Hopefully that explains everything to our viewers. Thank you very much to Dave Powell for joining me. Plenty more analysis, of course, over on the Echoes website, Bloodred, and of course, Liverpool.com as well. But from myself, Matt Addison, and from Dave Powell, that's all we've got time for. It's goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.